Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my last Wednesday of the month, LinkedIn Live. I come here every last Wednesday of the month at noon Eastern to talk about issues that are important to you in building a scalable and hopefully someday saleable expertise-based business. So this week, we're going to talk about cloning yourself, how to increase your income and your impact. So this is a very timely one. I had some interesting conversations yesterday about this very topic. And so when I talk about clones, this comes on the heels, I think it was this week that I released a podcast episode about AI, where you can use AI like literally to clone yourself and do complete videos and your voice and everything and to create things that clone yourself. So I'm not talking about that kind of cloning today. Today, I'm talking about human clones who can deliver the same or similar results that your clients come to you for, but without you having to do that work personally to create some independence in your business. And so we do that, of course, by having something that we can teach other people. We need to have some sort of system whether it is a methodology or a framework or training materials or a workshop, something that allows a third party or a third thing, we want to call a product that, to be able to replicate the results that you provide your clients on a one-on-one basis. And so I want to just tell you a story about a woman who was in a group coaching program I had a couple of years ago now. And she did, I wish I could remember exactly what she called it, but basically she was like an empath of some sort. She was a business consultant and she had a way of connecting with her clients and using her intuition. I know that's not the word that she would use, but she kind of the energy of her clients and she would work with them to help them make business decisions. And so it would be very difficult for someone, for her to clone herself. Someone would have to have her same talents that most of us don't have and that you probably can't teach and that are something that you are born with. And that, so it'd be pretty hard for her to clone herself. But if you're like most of us, where we have used our experience and our training and our education and our grown our expertise over time, emotional intelligence, I like that to help us provide the services, the excellent services that we provide to our clients. Those are things that can be packaged 
in a way that other people can help us deliver them. This is not going to be about mindset, but I do want to just say this about the idea of what you do is magical. The transformations that you provide your clients are magical, and that is why they're highly valued. But those results can be delivered in more than one way and by more than one person for the most of us. And so being able to let go of some of that control by allowing other people to deliver your services is a step in creating that independence that you really want in your business and be able to do work with other clients, work on other projects, create new programs, do other higher level strategy work. These are all things that require us to let other people, clones if you will, help us deliver some of these services. So I'm going to use an example so we can talk through the stages of cloning ourselves using this example. So you are a DEIA consultant, you developed a workshop, include written exercises, maybe you have some video vignettes and a discussion guide and a training manual, and your workshop is in very high demand, and it is a demand that you can't meet yourself. And so maybe even I hear this from people in this space who have clients who have offices all over the country. And they want you to deliver your workshop to all of their employees all over the country. And that could keep you fully occupied for an entire year, keeping you from doing other things in your business, keeping you from servicing other clients, keeping you from creating other programs, keeping you from working on your thought leadership, keeping you from taking a vacation or seeing your family. And so in order to satisfy this increased demand, there are a number of options. And so those clones that could help you satisfy that demand include employees, facilitators, licensees, and products. And we will take these one at a time. So employees, that is a way to help satisfy that demand with internal resources. I mean, we all probably started as employees, you know, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Elizabeth Holmes, God forbid. We started as employees. And so we understand that from that side. But as an employer, Sometimes we forget that we are the most expensive resource in our business because there are some higher level strategy, thought leadership, personal appearances, speaking, things like that, that require us. And so when there are established workshops or trainings or frameworks that you can train other people to deliver, then that is an efficient way to service those that excess demand using those internal resources. Now, I'm not going to pretend that the only expense with having an employee is just their salary. I mean, we know there's a lot more that to it than that, not to mention taxes and benefits, but there is that emotional cost and psychological cost to having an employees to ask someone to leave their current employer and come to you And now you're now not only responsible for the care and feeding of your family, you're now also responsible for the care and feeding of their families as well. Hey, everyone. A quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at 
thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. And so if you're not ready for the responsibility of employees, there are a number of external resources that can help you fill that demand to serve your clients. So outsourcing, facilitators, again, using that HR consultant scenario, you may have a different type of business, maybe a management consultant or graphic design or something else. But facilitators are a great way when you're providing workshops to your clients that you use an outsourced freelance facilitator who are skilled in facilitating workshops to help you meet some of that demand. And so in the facilitator example versus the licensee example, which we'll talk about next, facilitator example, they are using your materials, your workshops to service your clients. And so even though they're servicing your clients, this is a contractual relationship. We want to make sure that it is properly documented. Uh, Imagine you have relationships with facilitators and hopefully you do as part of your network, but you still want to have a formal facilitator agreement with them. And there are a number of reasons why. One, to make sure you're on the same page about delivery and about payment, but also that relationship with the client, that relationship is yours, but you want to have a way to determine like in what ways will the facilitator be part of that conversation? If something goes wrong, if something needs to be rescheduled, if God forbid the client doesn't pay, like then what happens? So you need to have all these things addressed in your facilitator agreement, as well as they're going to be using your materials. Do you want them to follow it by the T or can they use some of their own experience to bring some of their own genius to the workshop, if you will? And what if they have some ideas about how to improve it? Who owns that? What if they have something like, oh, I remember this exercise that I used last year with a similar client and they decide to bring that exercise and make that part of the program. What happens then? So you just want to make sure all these things are set out in your agreement. Contracts are just about the whatever the parties decide it will cover. And so you just need to make sure that you're covering these things ahead of time so that everyone is on the same page. So that's your facilitators. Now, as opposed to licensees. Now, with your licensees, we have these two types, one that's competitor license, another client, but your competitor license is another service provider. Unlike the facilitator, they're going to be licensing your workshop and using it to serve their own clients. And so a license is an agreement to use somebody else's intellectual property. Again, this is something you absolutely want to have in writing. The thing about your competitor is maybe you're that DEIA expert. Maybe they're just a DEI expert and they haven't figured out the accessibility part yet, but you have. And so they come to you and like, hey, I really need an accessibility module to add to my program. Can I license yours? Maybe it makes sense to just license that accessibility piece. Maybe you only want them to use your program in its totality because it all builds on each other and it's all integrated. And so there are different ways to structure a license. Again, it's a contract, the term, I mean, the length of the license, the any restrictions regarding use, what happens if someone creates improvements. 
if they are mixing one of your modules with one of their modules, making sure those rights stay separate. What happens with your existing clients? Like you are creating competitors that are using your program. And so some restrictions in there about who they can use it with. Maybe you specialize in working with law firms. And so you don't really want them to use it with law firms. So you can put that restriction in there that they can use it with these other industries, but not with the legal industry. And of course, the license fee. So the terms of how you'll get paid for their use of your workshop. And that might be on an annual basis. They pay you one flat fee and they can use it as many times as they want during the year. Or maybe it's every time they deliver it that you get a piece of that. And so, again, these are all things that you want to have in your license agreement. The other type of licensee is your client licensee. So you're turning your client into a licensee. If we go back to that big client who has multiple offices and could keep you busy all year, maybe instead of you going all around the country for a year to train everyone in person, you license the workshop to your client and they use an internal facilitator. They use someone on their team to be the facilitator or facilitators and provide your workshops to the rest of their employees. That's also known as the train the trainer model. And in this case, you are still servicing them, but you're not doing it on a one-on-one basis. These are two, even though they seem similar, they're pretty different. One, I mean, obviously, one, you're creating competitors. The other, your clients probably are not going to be your competitors. So there are some differences there and some different protections that you'd want to have in your license agreement. But the other thing is that they're completely different markets, right? So currently, you understand your client, you know their pain points, you know where you fish for them, where to find them. And so your sales process for that may be very similar. You have this one-on-one option or in-person option, I should say. And you have this license option. And so depending on the client, they may have preferences about which way to go. Versus your competitor is completely different market. They have different issues. Their ROI, the investment will look very different to them than it does to your client. And so you need to think pretty carefully about whether or not you want to have basically two different businesses when you go that competitor licensing route. So those are two ways to have fulfill that with external sources. So products, those DIY ways of getting the results, or at least most of the results that they would get by hiring you directly, maybe books, maybe pre-recorded courses, maybe software, depending on the nature of the results that you provide. And this is a great way to, one, get client diversity. With your in-person workshops, I imagine there's lots of similarity about the type of client that you work with. And if they're big enough, maybe you only have the one client, which is kind of the worst kind of client diversity, of course. But having other options at different price points, I mean, you can have different types of clients and you can serve maybe parts of the community that you were not able to serve with your in-person services. And adding products is additive. I mean, it doesn't replace, or if you don't want it to, it doesn't replace your in-person services but it adds a new revenue stream using your intellectual property, which is, of course, one of the things that I talk about all the time to create that new IP-based revenue stream. So to no one's surprise, it is all about that intellectual property. So developing it, 
owning it and protecting it. And so to talk about the ownership piece for a minute, a lot of consultants and coaches get certifications and they will receive materials. Maybe they'll get an assessment tool. Maybe they'll get some workbooks and things that they use in their in-person services. But those things are licensed to them, licensed to you, as the case may be. And you may, but probably do not have the right to further license, that would be a sub-license, those materials that you've received. So when you're looking at creating a licensing program, either with your client or with a competitor or creating a product, you need to make sure that you actually own the things that will be elements in that. Because if they're licensed from someone else, you need to be very careful that you are not in breach of that license. So implementing the cloning process back to the systems and procedures. If right now you're just using your brilliance, you want to start documenting that brilliance. So you have some systems and you have some procedures that you will be able to train your clones on, whether they're employees, you still need systems and processes. If you use facilitators, they need it. If you use licensees, of course, they need it as well. So you start with making sure you are systematizing and proceduralizing your process. Contracts, obviously, as an employer, you have certain rights under employment laws, but for your licensees and for your facilitators, that is a contractual relationship. And in order to make sure you're maintaining control of how your intellectual property is being used, you want to have written agreements that are signed by the parties. And then registration. What we've been talking about are things that would be registered under the U.S. Copyright Office, protected under copyright law. And as you know, if you've followed me for a while, upon creation of original materials, the copyright vests in the creator. And so you don't have to register it for that copyright to vest in you but you do need to register it if you want a court of law to help you enforce your rights. So anything that is going to be used to directly create revenue, I recommend registration. So certainly any product you're going to sell, you want to have it registered. Your workshops that you deliver to that are the sort being source of your revenue should be registered. And when you're doing a license agreement, you want the subject of that license agreement to be registered in the Copyright Office as well. So the key registration, agreements, and of course, tracking. You don't know what you don't know if you're not tracking the rights that are coming into your business and the rights are going out of your business. And that is how you make sure that you retain control of your expertise. And so another thing that came up yesterday during conversation is wanting to spread your message as widely as you can. And what you do, you believe in what you do, you believe in the transformation that you provide, and you want other people to have access to the results. And I would argue that that is even more important that you have these things in place to make sure that you're controlling the integrity of the materials that you put together to the workshops and the delivery and the results that people are getting. It's not selfish to want to make sure that your materials are being used responsibly and that they're being used competently and that people are getting the promised results 
And that requires you to take some control of that process. So that is the what I wanted to share with you today. And so thank you so much for that. And I'd be happy to take any questions that you have. All right. So you know where to find me. You can always find me at thinkbeyondip.com. You know, if you come up with any questions later on, or if you're just shy, connect with me on LinkedIn or send me an email at erin at thinkbeyondip.com. And of course, this is being recorded as a podcast episode as well. So you can also rehear it if you haven't gotten enough of it at Hourly to Exit Podcast. You can find that at all of your podcast distributing places. So thanks again for joining me. And I'm always happy to cover topics of interest to you. So also please feel free to send me any questions that you have or any topics that you'd like me to cover. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.